Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So the last church that I pastored, Madison Heights, we bought land and we built, perhaps that will be our destination one day. And when we did the campaign, we did something for the children. We had packets for the adults. We had a, a party where we launched the, the building campaign. But, but we also thought of the little ones. And we gave them a white replica of a church. It was a piggy bank. It was a clear plastic church, a piggy bank. And we told them to take it. And over the next couple of months, while their parents were praying about what they could give as they were thinking about what they might do over and above the tithe for the building campaign to fill that piggy bank up and bring it back for our commitment ceremony. And so Avery was about four and she had one. And I remember one day being in her room and she physically broke her piggy bank. Quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies spilt all over the floor. She was grabbing them up in her hands and putting them in one by one. And when she was done, I think it filled up about half of the church piggy bank. And she said, Daddy, it's not full. I said, sweetie, that's, that's all right. That's okay. And she said, no, I want to give more. And I said, okay. She said, Daddy, I know where some money is. So great. So she takes off running, and she comes back in a few minutes later, and both her little hands are just filled again with quarters and nickels and dimes and pennies. She throws them down on the floor. I said, Avery, where did you find all these coins? She said, Daddy, it's the money you keep in your car. And because I'm a sinful person, my immediate reaction was, pump your brakes. This is the money that I use to buy drinks and to make change and so forth and so on. And I looked at her and I said, Avery, that's my money. And she looked at me and she said, Daddy, my heart's just so full of God. Please let me give it. And I looked at my own heart. I quickly examined my own heart. I did a deep dive and I realized that her heart was in a better place. That that money belonged to the Lord. That it was a way for her as a child to praise and honor and glorify Him. And so we come to our text this morning, Mark chapter 12, the end of this chapter, and Jesus is saying the same thing to his apostles. How is your heart? Let's do a deep dive and let's examine the condition of your heart in light of all that God has done for you. Let's pray. Lord God, use your word to change your people. Use your word to draw us closer to you. Set me aside as you speak and you only. Amen. So there's two things we're going to look at this morning as we come to the end of Mark chapter 12, but there are a few 
points that I want to bring to your attention before we do that. First of all, I want you to look at verse 40. It says in the English Standard Translation, devour widows, devour the widow's house. So that's difficult to understand. If you look at the New Living Translation, they say shamelessly cheat widows. Shamelessly cheat widows. And so I think that's a good way to understand it. Scholars have looked at this expression and they have mentioned up to six different things that Jesus is perhaps talking about when he says this. I'm not sure which one is correct. I'm not sure which one is the right one. I think the more general expression of cheating widows in a shameful manner is the right way to interpret this. Understand that in the society and the culture in which Jesus lived, widows were the lowest of the low and often the poorest of the poor. They had very little recourse for help in that society. And that's important to understand as we engage with the text this morning. Also in chapter 40, you'll see towards the end of the, excuse me, in chapter 12 at the end of verse 40, you'll see that Jesus mentions greater condemnation. Now this is surprising to people. So we're going to just take a theological off-ramp for just a second before we jump back into this chapter. You will often hear in our society, it will be bounded about by people that all sins are the same. And that, in our theological tradition, in the Reformed tradition, is just not true. It is untrue. We know theologically and we believe biblically that there are sins that have greater seriousness than other sins. So that's important to understand and believe. But what's tied to that Often people don't know this, that for those who are not in Christ, there is a greater condemnation. There is greater punishment for those who knew and yet didn't believe. So for example, what Jesus is saying, these are religious leaders who know the word of God. They know it forward and they know it backwards, but their hearts are empty, they are deceitful, they are shameful. So the level of punishment that will belong to them in the day of judgment is greater than the level of judgment that will belong to other people. Now, this judgment that's coming is no delight in any shape, form, or fashion. But what Jesus is getting at is there's a higher level of accountability in terms of punishment and condemnation for those who know the word of God and yet reject the messenger, the word that has come in the flesh, Jesus. So that's just an aside that I wanted to mention when Jesus says greater, combination, greater condemnation in verse 40. Then look at verse 41. He mentions the treasury. And I love the image that Mark paints of Jesus not only gathering by the treasury box, but sitting down. I love the way that Mark continually throughout his gospel paints the human side of Jesus. It is God that has come in the flesh to dwell among us. Yes, he sat down by the treasury box. In the temple, there were 13 receptacles 
in the court of women on the east side. And these were for the people of Israel to give donations to the temple. It was a wooden box, and it had a brass instrument that came up. It almost looked like a trumpet, and you would drop the coins in the trumpet. Now, we're familiar with this. Because this was one of our favorite things to do when we lived in Oxford, leaving Walmart. There was a St. Jude plastic coin collector. And you drop the coins in, and I'm sure you've all seen this, and they spin until they land in the bottom. And the different coins, the heavier coins, are, they spin at different speeds. And I sometimes could close my eyes and I could know what was going down based on how loud it was. I knew it was a quarter versus a penny. So these boxes where Israel would give to the temple and to the work of the temple, to the priest, that you could tell what was given by the sound it made when it hit the funnel and went down into the box. There were 13 of them, and it provided an opportunity for people to give. Some scholars think that he could have been at the treasury which is where they held and collected the money for the temple. We just simply don't know. It was one of two places, but Jesus was able to ascertain that she was a widow. He would have known even from a human perspective because of the way she was dressed, and he knew what she gave, that she gave from the depths of her heart, and it was not that much, but it was everything for her. So there's two things I want us to look at in light of what we have approached today in this chapter. First is, let's examine our own hearts. And then secondly, let's be sure that we guard our hearts. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks... On the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. One of my favorite commercials on television is the insurance commercial, Don't Be Like Your Parents. And they're in like Home Depot and Lowe's, and the guy walks by with blue hair, and all three men go, Blue. It's it's so funny to me. And it's it's our nature. We judge by outward appearance. We just do. We're fallen, sinful humans. We look at people and we make assumptions and we make judgments. But Samuel is telling us that that's not the Father in heaven. That he judges us on the inside. He judges our heart. And so when Jesus is sitting at the treasury and he sees this widow give these pennies, he understands that the religious leaders have given nothing, that they are vain and they are empty and they devour the widow's houses. And then he looks at the wealthy and they just give out of their abundance. They're not, their giving is not stretching them. Their giving is not a challenge to them. Their giving is just simply obligatory. And 
He's challenging his apostles. He's challenging his disciples that they must examine their heart. Are you like the religious leader? Are you like the wealthy who give out of their abundance? Or are you the poor widow? Do you love the Lord God so much that you are aligned with his will and you give because you understand that it's an act of worship? That you give because of all that he has given to you. And I'm not talking about your tithe. I'm talking about your life as a whole. This widow was perfectly aligned with her Lord. Perfectly aligned with his will and his word. Nothing could detour her from that. I think we're reminded of this every day, 50 times a day in Collierville. Think about the train. Think about the train. Every time I'm in a hurry, every time the train comes through Collierville, it always catches me. I'm always waiting on that train. I sit there and I count the cars. I listen for the horn. At night, I can hear the horns. And one of the things that I think about when I reflect on that train is its purpose, its alignment, its commitment and dedication. It is on that track, and it's going to the Mississippi River, and nothing is going to stop it. And when it comes through Collierville, all traffic stops. And so my car, I swerve sometimes to pull over. My car can go in the wrong direction, not that train. It's not stopping. It's going. It's dedicated. It's focused. And that's this widow. She is dedicated. She is focused. She is aligned with the will and the word of God and nothing will keep her from giving him the worship and the glory that he so rightly deserves. And so when we think about 1 Samuel 16, 7, that God looks on the heart and we think about the widow that Jesus mentions in Mark chapter 12 as he talks to his apostles and his disciples, we realize how significant our heart is to the Lord and that we need to examine it just like as human beings and we examine our hearts from a health perspective. And we go to the doctor and we have scans and we have tests and we take medicine and we exercise and we try to eat right. That's what the Lord is saying here. Paul says it as well in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves if you belong to Christ. Examine your heart. Make sure that like the train, that you are dedicated and you are fixed and you are aligned and you are on a mission and nothing is going to stop you from obeying the word of God and listening to the will of God and seeking Him. Heart exam examination, a deep dive. What I experienced that day is cute and funny as the moment was. What made me think, I want to keep my 
change. Rather than give it to the building of God's kingdom. As simple as that little illustration is. That I need to consistently and routinely examine this thing that beats within me to make sure that it's full of God. Let's examine our hearts. Number two. Guard your heart. So go back to the passage that we're looking at this morning. And I wanted you to notice one particular word. And it's when Jesus says in verse 38, and in his teaching, he said, notice this, beware. Beware. If you understand this word in Greek, it has an ongoing sense of constant watch. Not only examine your heart, but guard your heart. Protect it. Be on the lookout. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. That when we look at Mark chapter 12, and we see Jesus referring to the widow, and we see the, those who give and they don't really care they're not giving out of love for the Lord and those who don't even give at all Jesus is, Jesus is saying to us you need to guard your heart so that you don't end up like them so that you don't find yourself astray and here's what's great about us as believers that we're not alone in this that we are not left alone to guard our heart. That God has given us, He has sent the Holy Spirit to stand by us. Now think about this. Jesus, on the cross, when God places our punishment upon Him, looks away. The Father looks away. Jesus stands alone on the cross so that we will never have to stand by ourselves. He does that for us. I never want you as my people, as my brothers and sisters, to experience God's wrath for sin, to experience His eternal punishment for sin. I am taking the bullet I am experiencing this loneliness so that you will never have to be afraid, so that you will never be alone. I am sending the ministry of my spirit to be with you, to help you, to protect you, to defend you, to guide you, to lead you, to watch over you. He's alone, so we never have to be alone. So hear the Gospel of John 14, 15 through 17, as we think about the Holy Spirit, as He comes to serve us and to help us and to guide us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. So here is our helper, the Holy Spirit. He 
helps us to guard our own hearts. He helps us to examine our hearts. He is with us forever. The Holy Spirit helps us to see the truth as we guard our hearts and as we examine our hearts. He dwells with us. You do not have to go through this alone. If it were up to you to guard your heart, you would not be able to do it. It would not be possible. It is the Holy Spirit coming to you and living in your heart that enables you to protect yourself spiritually. John 14, 26, I'll continue. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance. Hear that. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So as believers, we live in this very difficult and challenging world and we are called to pursue Jesus. We are called to follow Him, to live for Him. We are called to live the Christian life. We are to be different than the world surrounds us. What are we to be like? We are to be people who produce the fruit of the Spirit. We are to be peaceful and patient and loving and kind and forgiving forgiving. Those should be the earmarks of us. Those, that should be the fragrance that we emit to the people who are around us. But God knows that we need help. And so the Spirit is with us. And as we seek to guard our hearts, we know that the Holy Spirit helps teach us the Word of God. It's one of the great truths of Scripture and it's one of the great truths of our theology. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. When we encounter the Word of God, when we digest the Word of God, when we dig into the Word of God, it's not just a book. It's God speaking to us and the Spirit is making it alive. It jumps off the page and it enters into us and it wrought's change. the greatest instruction manual there is but this instruction manual is alive and the Holy Spirit is doing that for us so that we can know how to please God and we can know how to worship God and we can know how to love God and we can know how to give of him ourselves, and we can know how to give him gifts to give of that which we earn to support the church and to support missionaries and ministries the Holy Spirit is walking before us and it is walking alongside us and behind us, enabling us to do these things and to remember all that Christ has said. To remember the Word of God so that it wells up in our soul and when we're facing difficult situations, we know how to respond because we remember the words of Jesus. That when we go, we enter into sinful situations that we can turn from them because the Word of God is within us and the Holy Spirit is helping us to remember what Christ has said to us. As we live in this just dysfunctional world that the Holy Spirit is driving us to the words of Jesus, is driving us to the words of God and it's making it alive in our hearts so that I can be a better husband, I can be a better father, 
or mother, employee, boss, family member, neighbor, all those things and more. The Spirit is with us, helping us. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's good news to me this morning that I'm not alone. That I am not alone. That I can examine my heart and I can guard my heart because Jesus and the Holy Spirit and because of the love of the Father. The love that He has for me. May we all say as we leave this place this morning that my heart is just full of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your words in Mark chapter 12. Thank you for Jesus' challenge to us to examine and to watch our hearts, to live for you, to give you all the glory, to give you all the praise. Father, help us to be Christians that emit the beautiful fragrance of love and peace and patience, kindness, joy, self-control. May the watching world see us and say, something is different. Tell me more about your resurrected Savior. Father, thank you for how much you love us. And thank you that you went to the cross and endured God, your Father's wrath alone so that we, as your people, will never have to be alone in this life and the life that is to come. And it's in your name and for your sake we pray. Amen.